T-Wolves beat the Pistons 124-117 and extend the conference lead to two and a half games in the West. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $150 when you bet just five. Check it out. Visit FanDuel.com slash NBA. All right, man. So, uh, I mean, hey, everyone was pumped to get into this kind of soft schedule now after that brutal stretch in December. So tonight, you traveled to Detroit, taking on literally the worst team in the NBA by a wide margin. In fact, 4-36 and 36 coming in. Worst start in NBA history through 40 games. But, you know, the big bugaboo with a game like this, these were the games they always struggled with last year. You know, the ones on paper that should have been gimme 6-10 and 10 last year versus the bottom five teams in the NBA. This year, though, 4-0 versus the bottom five teams and 11-2 and versus the teams that were sub-500. So, Starting to maybe shake that narrative, although even with the dub tonight, and we'll get into it all, but things may be a little closer on the scoreboard than maybe you would have hoped early on. Nonetheless, just start us off with your big atopic takeaway, and I guess what a win like this versus a team like that means for the Wolves as they extend their lead in the West to two and a half games. Yeah, I think it was really great to to finally see um, you know the Timberwolves get really consistent scoring from you know just more than Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. I think for them to be able to get um, you know such consistent scoring from uh, you know Jane McDaniel's who had a season high twenty three points tonight, and Rudy Gobert also who had you know nineteen points and had you know what was it ten twelve points in pretty short order there in the first quarter just from his activity hanging out around the rim, which was awesome. Um, and so I, I think to have all four of those guys um, playing as well as they did, they scored 96 of the Timberwolves, 124 points. Um, they shot 57%. They made 36 of their 63 combined shots, uh, including 11 of their 17 three-point attempts, uh, of course, highlighted by Carl Anthony Towns going five of five from deep. Um, but everyone else uh, kind of struggled in this one, 28 points on 30 shots for every, for, you know, the other what is it, I guess, seven players that played beyond those four um, and four of 13 from three. So, um, you know, it's again another night where the, you don't really get a whole lot of scoring out of the bench, which is something that, that you'd certainly like to see. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, um, you know, later on. But 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 I just thought the way that they they came out um, you know, offensively, uh, I thought their process was excellent. Um, you know, when you, when you look at the first quarter, you know, specifically, um, you know, the fact that they were able to score 28 points in the paint, I believe that's their most, uh, in any quarter this season, um, by, by four points, which was, um, which was really great. But, but I think, you know, it just takes a lot of pressure off of Anthony Edwards, especially when other guys are getting into the game early. We saw Jane McDaniels have a couple of, um, 
you know, really strong takes to the basket in that first quarter, which which was undoubtedly really helpful um, to kind of get him into a rhythm. But but Rudy Gobert's activity in the first half, I mean, really just leaped out. I had 12 points, uh, four rebounds, uh, made a ton of defensive rebounds are really difficult um, for uh, for the Pistons, which is which is what you want, and even though their, their defense wasn't necessarily there. I think just really focusing in on those four guys playing as well as they did was um what was really, really something. And, and I think for those guys to combine for 61 points uh, and a half, um, you'll, you'll take that every single day. And, and in that first half, especially, um, what is it here? They had an offensive rating uh, of about 100 and I think 35, which was, uh, I think, their third best in, in any first half this season. So, um, and, and for them to score uh, 42 points in the paint in the first half, um, pretty much with all of those guys being the ones to do it, um, it was just a really, really encouraging sign for them to to have a, a really strong, you know, business like approach um, on the offensive end of the floor, which is which is obviously, um, you know, super helpful for a team that's looking to, to find some of its offensive rhythm. And like you said, they're hitting a soft spot in the schedule where they do play a lot of really poor defensive teams, um, you know, that, that they'll have a great chance to kind of find and catch a rhythm uh, against here coming up in the in the next few weeks. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into a little bit more individual performances and a couple that really stood out. I mean, you mentioned it already. It, it was the big four. Ant, Cat, Rudy, Jaden, they helped carry the way for the most part tonight. And you already said it. I got to say it again because this is unbelievable. 96 points combined out of the 124 total points tonight. That's just insane. So let's just do this. Give me give me like a six, quick 60 seconds on each one, maybe a quick little breakdown of what you saw tonight and then finish off with like a, a grading score of one to 10, 10 being a all-star performance tonight. One being an absolute dumpster fire. We can start with cat. I know you already touched on him, but you know, I know you texted me earlier in the first half, how impressed you were with not just the scoring, but you know, the passing specifically from the top of the key. What'd you see from him tonight and his 27 points, six boards, four assists. Yeah, I thought that, you know, again, it was one of those games where, where Carl really used kind of his three-point shot to get everything else going. Another another day of him kind of playing in that that short corner, deep slot area um, while he was out there with the other starters and, and made his first uh, two threes, which then became his first three threes, his first four, and then and then finished the game five of five. Mm-hmm. Um, then the defense really started to, to kind of stretch out to him and, and extended the three-point line. And when that happened, it opened up cutting lanes for other people like Jim McDaniels, uh, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, and, and Carl did a great job of just making simple passes. He didn't try to, you know, do anything crazy. He didn't try to throw an entry pass into double coverage or anything like that. Just made really simple reads and uh, made quick decisions all night long. And so I think anytime Carl Anthony Towns is making quick decisions, um, good things tend to happen. Uh, and, and, it, and, you know, that, that really manifested itself by the way of a, you know, 10 of 17 uh, shooting night. Five of five from deep, uh, and had four assists to only one turnover. That one turnover is is probably you know most indicative of his quick decision making. I mean, as far as Carl games go, that's probably like an eight out of ten, just because we've seen him get sixty in a game. Because you maybe leave that and that being like the ten, since that's kind of Carl's apex. But uh, but yeah, definitely one of his his better games this season. Yeah, how about Rudy? 19 points, 16 boards, one block. He continues to just be dominant, man, and continues to get to the free throw line. Okay, four. Four at the stripe tonight, but you know they they had a little pregame segment. If you watched Marty tonight in the pregame, teams are starting to do a little hack a shack on him. At least it was, you know, that was the story last game as well. But just overall thoughts on Rudy Gobert tonight. 
Yeah, I, I think for Rudy, the biggest thing for me is just like the the approach that he takes in some of these games against uh, t- you know, against weaker defenses, especially in the interior. Like I, I really like Jalen Duren as a player. Yeah, I think he's going to be an awesome center in this league for a long time. But uh, but I, th- I think the the intensity that he just brings from the get go, I, I think, does a really good job of setting the tone against some of these, uh, you know, inferior teams. We saw it against Portland uh, last Friday, uh, Target Center, and it, he brought it again tonight. And I think the more that uh, he's able to just impose his will uh, and, and kind of gain a sense of confidence on the offensive end of the floor, I think it just kind of permeates every other part of his game. And, and with that, you know, the hack-a-shacking, I, I guess, if you will, um, you know, I think the more that he's able to kind of score and, and see the ball go through the hoop a few times early on, like the more confident he's going to feel at the free throw line. Um, and tonight only, only had four free throw attempts, but, but got, but, but made three of those four and, uh, was just really active. I mean, he had five offensive rebounds, but I, I mean, he probably made 10 other defensive rebounds that the Pistons had like really difficult. Yep, right. Um, and, 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 you know, That's as a, a result point. of making it difficult, uh, probably prevented some transition opportunities. So, um, really good game from Rudy, uh, another, you know, high teens, uh, rebound and points game. I, I'd probably give him like, again, an eight or a nine out of 10 defensively. Is he doing an even better job protecting the mid range in the perimeter than he ever did in Utah, which is insane because all right, three time defensive player of the year while still of course being, you know, one of the best rim protectors as well, because I went back and just watched some of that Clippers game again, Westbrook, Paul George, Harden just so fun to watch him do what he does best, man. I mean, he's just playing so good right now. Yeah. I I think that when he was in Utah, he wasn't really surrounded by uh, the greatest defenders. Okay. Um, Okay. I think that's, that's putting it pretty kindly. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that he's in Minnesota, like obviously we all know what Jaden McDaniels can do. We know what Anthony Edwards can do, Uh, but Mike Conley and Carl Anthony Towns are much better off ball defenders than I think they get credit for. And just the overall length that the Timberwolves have, I think, makes it a lot tougher for other teams to operate kind of when Rudy is out of the paint. Um, and, and then when Rudy gets switched out onto the perimeter in the mid range, um, you know, I think you just trust that guys are going to rotate behind him. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, when you, you see that trust is kind of there, you just see a more confident Rudy who kind of steps up to guard guys in the mid range or on the perimeter and feels more comfortable switching all those types of things. So I think it allows them to be more aggressive um and try to dictate things rather than uh you know rather than constantly being concerned that if i have to step out that nobody's gonna have my back if that makes sense like you like you probably felt in utah definitely definitely how about ant 27 points eight assists five boards and one absolute uh, sports center top 10 slam dunk man by the way i absolutely love the thing that the bench does now just pointing at the guy who got dunked on (laughs) i absolutely love it Uh, you can tell they're just having fun right now but your overall thoughts on Ant, maybe a one to 10 score. Yeah, I think for Ant, what I really liked was that, you know, he he tried to get into the paint early and often. Um, yeah. and that, that's been another theme with him um, really in the last three or four weeks since it really since Christmas, I guess, when his free throws really started to take an uptick. Um, and again, only got to the free throw line four times tonight. But but when you look at his shot chart, uh, so much of the, of the work that he did was in the painted area, uh, which is exactly what you want from someone like him. And then, you know, when that starts to happen and the defense kind of starts to load up on him and, uh, you know, kind of play in the gaps and try to take away some of what he's able to do on the drive, um, you know, then that really opens up his ability to make things easy for other people. Um, and that's where you see the uh, the assists come into play tonight. And I thought that, uh, you know, Ant did an excellent job of, 
you know, not trying to overcomplicate things and not trying to play hero ball uh, mm -hmm. on the drive. I thought that he did a good job, you know, finding his teammates. And I think when you, you know, you see that eight assist mark, you'll take that every day of the week, especially when, um, you know, Mike Conley is right there with him with seven. Um, so I think, you know, the more that Ant is able to get comfortable making plays for other as for others as a result of getting downhill and getting into the paint early. I think that's what you want. But I think the, the, the tough part from Ant was that he really just kind of settled and chucked in the, in the third quarter, uh, got really ISO heavy. And that's kind of what allowed Detroit to kind of get some rhythm offensively, get back in the game. Um, you know, he was three of 10 in the third quarter, only eight points. And, and most of those shot attempts came outside of the paint when he was just kind of mm. holding the ball and dribbling for a while. So I'd probably give Ant, you know, a, a six and a half or a seven, just because I think, you know, for, for him, what he's capable of is, is obviously incredible, but um, you know, he, he has to try to stop, you know, letting these ha or having these one quarter lapses where, you know, everything that he's worked so hard to improve kind of just backslides for, um, for a stretch. And, and the thing, and the, you know, the, the, you know, double sided sword, I guess, with Ant is just like, when he's really good, it's obviously amazing for the Timberwolves and, and he really impacts winning. But when, you know, he still kind of keeps that same usage, but is doing, um, you know, things that you don't want him to be doing, it has a pretty negative impact. So um, the great news for the Wolves, obviously, is, you know, more overwhelming majority of it has been positive. So you'll live with some of these things. But, you know, it's just some some things on the margins that, that he can clean up that probably would have resulted in him, you know, having 32, 33 points and maybe 10 assists instead of, uh, you know, an inefficient 27 points on 24 shots. Yeah. And then Jaden to round out the big four, 23 points, two boards, zero assists. But I'm more curious about your thoughts as far as the bench goes. I mean, what'd you see from them as a whole who really stuck out to you the most? And, and maybe again, one to 10 scoring assessment from that bench that again is a lot of people have been highly critical of, and obviously, again, we'll talk more and more and more uh, the closer the trade deadline approaches, but um, just your thoughts on that bench tonight, who, again, didn't add a ton, but was there one guy that kind of stuck out a little bit more than everybody else? Yeah, just a quick note on Jaden. Season high, 23 points, had a couple yep. of really tough isolation contested step backs. So the talent is there. The, mm -hmm. the scoring production is there. They just need to find ways to get it out of him. But but with the bench We don't have time to go on a super long um, tangent. I'm just curious, though. A guy that size, what's the deal with only one or two boards a night? I, I just, like, explain it to me a lot like of I'm it, five. A lot, of it, a lot of it comes from him spending so much time on the perimeter guarding okay. guys. It's like, you know, most sense. times you'd think a point guard would spend time guarding on the perimeter, but it's Jaden a lot of the time. That I, I mean, sense. he certainly can do more than I, I think it should be around four, four and a half, but mm -hmm. you know, you can't expect him to get eight, nine rebounds, especially when you're playing two centers for sure. That um, makes sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, from the, from the bench, especially, you know, I, I think this is one where you could tell that, that Nas really wanted to make an impact on this one. And he felt that because everyone else was getting into the paint, the Timberwolves were, um, you know, having their way on the inside that he wanted to as well, but just didn't get, didn't get shots to drop um, and, and just didn't quite have that same rhythm um, you know, nine points on nine shots is pretty on Nas like, um, but he did make up for it. I mean, three steals. He was really active defensively and had a couple of really nice uh, transition reps defensively. Uh, but Nikhil Alexander Walker was was the main story uh, to me, uh, the way that he came in in that second half. All seven of his points were in the second half, had four huge points when Detroit kind of got it back to within three there late in the third quarter um, and then had a had a nice steal. Uh, on an entry pass down on the on the right block and then in the fourth quarter had an had an awesome you know kind of strip of a of a you know offensive player on the way up that 
you know, then resulted in him uh, making an extra pass at the top of the key to Nas Reed for for a three that I think helped get the game up to 19, which was their or 17, uh, which was their largest lead of the game. And they just kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit from there. But I, I think Nikhil's has been on a heater since that fourth quarter of the Boston game. Yeah. Um, and, and if not for him, like, I think it probably would have been like a C, C plus bench game. But, um, you know, he really turned it around. And uh, again, I think the great thing about this bench unit is that even when they're not scoring, they, they generally do find a way to impact the game defensively. Um, and the nice thing from this bench unit, I mean, they had 11 of the team's 32 assists, you know, led by nine from Kyle Anderson, which was obviously what you want to see. But I, I think you just wish that you could get more than, you know, 15 points on you know, what is it? Uh, eight of, uh, eight of 21 shooting. I think you'd, right. you'd like to see better than that from your three main bench guys. But, um, yeah, I think again, solid bench game. I'd, I'd probably give it a B minus or a B from them. Um, you know, you'd expect kind of that, that Detroit would be able to you know, outscore them off the bench just with some of the, the guys that they've got coming off the bench. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, fans can't really underrate the, the defense that you get from, uh, you know, nah and, and slow-mo and then, and then nights like tonight when Nas is really active. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, more, more defensive than offensive tonight, but, but still enough to, you know, to feel pretty, pretty positive about them for the most part. Yeah. A lot of good points there. The bench, you look at the box score the next morning in the paper, it's like, Whoa, all right. Kind of weak, but a lot of good points you just laid out there as far as the defense and then the assists and a few other things. So glad you touched on that. All right. Plenty more deep dive from this one, including the Wolves defensive performance right after a quick word from BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Maybe start thinking the opposite of new year, new you, and try ditching all the new year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right. Maybe that's organizing the closet or the garage. I know that's something that I always struggle with. Maybe you take those daily vitamins and stay healthy during the new year. And now you're looking to take it to the next step. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHealth a try. It's an entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And it's so easy. All you got to do, fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Let's pick things up, uh, defensive side of things here, because it really felt like they, they started to clamp down tonight after that first quarter, didn't it? Like the paint play got a little bit better. They did a, a good job of not fouling. And once they were able to finally, I think, slow things down, play the half-court game that they love to do, everything started to come together slowly but surely. A, a biggest storyline takeaways on the defensive side of things. And let's stick with the 1-10 to 10 theme with your maybe final scoring grade from them tonight. Yeah, I think, you know, it all kind of started in the, in the paint for the Timberwolves. You know, they gave up 22 points uh, in the paint in the first half, which, you know, was, uh, I think, their second worst first quarter and, and tied for their third worst quarter uh, this whole entire season uh, in that department. And it, and it was because, you know, I think the Pistons were nine of nine uh, at the rim in the, at, in the first quarter uh, in, the, in the rest of the game. 
um, you know, they, they were just 10 of 17. So mm. I obviously, you know, still shooting 73% at the rim is uh, not what you want. Um, but I still think that the Timberwolves did a good job of at least uh, forcing uh, the Pistons to to take their shots from other areas. And, you know, like I, like I wrote in my, my preview over at Candice for this game, um, you know, the, the Pistons are the second worst jump shooting team in the league in terms of points per shot uh, on their jumpers. Um, and the Timberwolves are, are, you know, remain undefeated now against teams that are uh, in the bottom 12 in that department, just because their defense does such a good job of, uh, you know, keeping opposing teams out of the paint and, uh, you know, forcing them to shoot or excuse me, f- keeping them away from the rim, really. Or, or giving them tough rim attempts uh, and forcing them to instead take shots from the mid-range area where they're, you know, one of the, uh, you know, three best defenses in that short mid-range area and then they're the best defense in the league in that long mid-range area. So I think that the fact that the Timberwolves were able to, um, you know, do a better job of, of forcing shots further away from the rim in the, in the final three quarters, uh, I believe they only allowed, what is it here, 28 points in the paint for the rest of the game after, after that first quarter. So, um you know, and most of that came with Jaden Ivey, uh, who is one of the best athletes in the entire NBA, just blowing past guys and getting to the rim and making some really, really tough finishes, uh, you know, beyond or, uh, you know, around or above Rudy Gobert. And, and he'll shake his hand uh, when that happens for sure, just because there aren't that many guys in general that can stay with Jaden Ivey. So, um, yeah, I think, again, it was a situation where the Pistons came into this game, second worst offensive rating in the half court. Um, you know, the, the Wolves did, I thought, a, a fairly good job after, you know, a 40 point first quarter. I think you'll you'll take them, you know, only scoring 77 in, in the final three. Um, and again, like a 117 offensive rating for the Pistons, uh, the, the league average, I, I think right now is like 116. Um, so I, again, like being able, after that first quarter, I don't know what the offensive rating was in the first quarter, but being able to get it down to league average for for the rest of the game is is certainly what you want, um, especially with how many guys got into a rhythm in that that first quarter. So, hey, huge shout out to everyone by the way joining us in the comments section. Always tuning in, giving your nightly feedback. We always love and appreciate interacting with you guys. This one's from Alan. Uh, just real quick, I thought it was interesting. Should we be concerned they're having trouble? putting away teams like the Pistons by 20 to 30 points instead of taking the foot off the gas and letting them back in the game. Again, big theme last year, maybe shaking their narrative a little bit this year, but nonetheless, I think it still creeps up in the back of people's minds. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, look, at the end of the day, like, I think like in games like this, all the pressure is on the Timberwolves, right? It's kind of like that Packers Cowboys game. Like the Packers came into that game with nothing to lose, right? The Pistons are four and 36. What are they going to do? Lose another game. Um, So I think, you know, it just has to, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to win the game. And I think none of these guys care if they win by seven points or 30 points uh, in in some of these contests. But like, again, like the the Pistons have been getting, have been playing better uh, of late. Um, and they've got some dudes that can score offensively. Um, and, and again, like Monty Williams for most of the season, like wasn't even playing Jaden Ivey really. And he's very clearly extremely talented on the offensive end of the floor. And you see guys like Dern and Stewart, they're, they're capable of scoring and they've had some injury problems this year too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not making excuses necessarily for this being a seven point game, but I'm just saying like, I, I do think the Pistons are a more talented team than, you know, a four and 37 team now. Um, so no, I'm not really that concerned by it because they are winning this, these games. And after last season, all we were clamoring for was the team to win these games. And I think, um, 
you know, come April 15th or whenever the playoffs start. And if the Timberwolves, you know, are still finding ways to win, but are winning by eight points instead of 17 points, you know, we're not going to be talking about that. We're just going to be saying, thank God they won enough of those games to, you know, hopefully finish with one of the top one, two, three seeds so that, you know, we can, we can see home games at target center uh, in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. Good question by Alan. And again, thanks for everybody in the comment section joining tonight. Hey, did you see uh Dane Moore's tweet about the high scoring league we're in all of a sudden, because he basically mentioned it's a long tweet, but, but you know, I'll paraphrase basically talked about how the warriors 73 and nine season, AKA one of the greatest runs of all time. They had a 114 offensive rating, but now, you sit here today, a few years later, the average offensive rating is 116, the average, two points higher. So just curious, I don't know if you saw it, but your takeaways, my mind immediately thinks, okay, I'm an NFL guy. The way the rules have changed in the NFL and football so much to favor the offense and the passing game, I know things don't necessarily equate the same apples to apples here. So I'm, I'm just curious, I guess, on what exactly happened and how we got here in such a, a high-scoring league all of a sudden. Yeah, I think analytics has a lot to do with it um, okay. in that, you know, I think people were able to to do more in-depth studies about, you know, what shots are actually yielding more points. And right, you know, I, I think especially in the earlier part of the 2010s, um, there were still a lot more mid-range jump shots uh, going on. And, and I think that. You there? Yep. Yep. Got you. Sweet. Uh, and, I, and I think like, you know, with, uh, you know, with finding out that, you know, a three pointer is a much more efficient shot than a long mid range too. I think it mm -hmm. just is kind of changed the, you know, the focus coaches of saying like, Hey, let's try to work to get a, a corner three or, or an above the break three rather than, you know, stepping in. Cause I think when, when we were younger, some of the coaches were teaching us, Oh, pump fake and take a dribble in and take a long mid range two instead like that. That's just not, uh, you know, what the math would tell you is the more efficient thing to do. So I think it's just kind of come with, you know, more of a focus for these offenses and creating schemes that can get you shots from the most efficient places on the floor, which are at the rim, the free throw line and from the corners. Um, and so uh, I think that that's, that's probably the biggest reason why not to mention that, um, you know, I, I think all these players coming into the league now, especially in the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it's been are more skilled and more talented than they have ever been. And uh, that certainly has a lot to do with it. I think the most talented defenders are probably on par with the most talented players in the league um, that we saw, you know, in the, you know, in the last 15 years, I guess. But uh, it's just so much harder to play deep. Like at a certain point, there's all you can do defensively, right? Like great offense is going to beat great defense more often than not. That's just what the reality is. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's just the way the league is trending. Right. And it used to be like, you used to have one lead dog superstar that could score. And now you have some teams that have two, uh, like the wolves have, have two really awesome scores. So you think about Phoenix, like have three guys that are probably in the top 15 in terms of like best scorers in the league. And, um, it's just a lot for defenses to contend with. Um, and you know, I, I think that that's, just kind of a function of, of talent and, um, and, and, you know, math kind of coming together to, to really put a bind on some of these defenses, not to mention uh, as, as it, we've, you know, gone along and tried to eliminate some of these injuries and things like that um, you know, kind of like football, right. Where there are more rules now to protect the quarterback and enhance mm -hmm. offense and, and some of that stuff where 
you know, I, th- I think that kind of cuts the legs out of, of some of these defenses on, on some nights. Well said. I could pick your brain about that stuff, the analytics side of things and everything else, the evolution of the game just over the past six, seven years all night. We'll save that for another episode. I got one more quickie to close, but first, a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You don't even have to win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Last one here, ESPN Power Rankings released today. Wolves back up to two behind Boston. But what stuck out to me the most, for the top six, all from the West, Wolves at two, Nuggets at three, OKC, who will play on, uh, what is that, Saturday night? They're at four. Mavs at six. That one kind of surprised me. So a lot of firepower at the top in the West. The Wolves are trying to box out, so to speak. Two and a half game cushion relatively easy stretch now with the schedule coming up what's your hope or maybe realistic expectations for this team and where they stand knowing what you know about the schedule and everything else by the time we get to the all-star break and and I guess too on top of that just real quick what teams in the west are, are really sticking out to you right now too maybe for good or bad yeah, I think obviously, you know, you, uh, you know, I, I immediately go to to the Clippers right because just the Clippers I think have been you know, the second best team in the West behind the Timberwolves. Really yeah, they're for the at last... seven, by the way. Sorry, they're at seven. So really five of the top seven teams all in the West. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I personally, like from where it stands right now, like if, if you made me pick a team to win the West, I would pick the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think that's a team that has everything you want on both sides of the ball. But um, so I'd, I'd certainly think about them, but, but Oklahoma city, you know, you can't discount what they've done in, in such a, you know, kind of taking a huge step forward year for them. Um, I would love for uh, their front office to stop sitting on all these picks and try to start liquidating some of them. Like I thought Pascal Siakam would have been an awesome fit next to Chet Holmgren and uh, Jalen Williams and, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You got three guys there and SGA, Williams and Siakam who could create their own shot, um, you know, and are all, you know, pre- pretty big, burlier guys that can can play some defense. So I'm sorry. Do um, they know, have I, a lot of early I would premium like picks see. or something? Or yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they, they have like 35 first round picks in the next oh, seven geez, drafts um, okay. from all the tanking that they've done. But wow. um, yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, and then obviously the Nuggets are the Nuggets and, um, you know, they're, they're going to be there. They're just so consistent, uh, kind of a well-oiled machine at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, in between now and the all-star break, the great, your great thing for the Wolves is that, um, you know, you start looking at some of the schedule and, and they play uh, Memphis, Charlotte, Washington, Brooklyn, San Antonio, uh, Portland twice, Chicago. Like those are all teams that they should destroy. Um, and, and then you work in some of the more competitive games, Oklahoma City twice, Dallas, Orlando, uh, Houston. Uh, those are all teams that they've already played uh, and already beat this season. So 
Um, you have to feel good about the Wolves at least. Uh, that, that's a very valid point, Jeff. That's like the main thing for me is like if they're healthy. I know we've said that about the Clippers for a while, but they've kind of, you know, unsubscribed from the load management theory and um, and whatever. I, you know, my, you know, so, yeah. So I think the Timberwolves should at least be bare minimum, like really competitive in all these games and, and mm-hmm. come out with, you know, what is it? 12, 13 games, you know, at least an eight and five or, you know, nine and four record in between now and the um, the all-star break, just because, you know, I think this team is is kind of starting to find its stride again. They're really confident in one another and, you know, aren't phased by anybody that they see, which is really important. And, and just to touch on that one last point about Oklahoma City being scary good. Um, I think Oklahoma City is a team that's really going to struggle in the playoff um, because they, they really don't have any experience beyond SGA playing in the playoffs. Um, and, and they got and obviously the, the only real difference between last season and this season, the team that we saw the Wolves absolutely just destroy in, in the playing game is, is Chad Holmgren. And, you know, he's the difference between getting destroyed and, and winning games and being really competitive in the playoffs. Like for as good as Jalen Williams is, I don't think he's a good enough number two score for them to be, you know, as competitive in the playoffs as a number two seed right now would suggest or number three seed, whatever they are now. Um, and their bench is is pretty thin and pretty inexperienced um, and, and pretty inconsistent from game to game. Um, so I, I personally think that the Thunder are going to lose whoever, pretty much whatever first round series they play in, just because I think some of that stuff will catch up to them. But mm-hmm. you absolutely have to, you know, tip your cap to them for what they've been able to do in the regular season and, um, you know, and, and, and and take this step forward because at the end of the day like you got to win games and if you want your players to develop and grow and uh, and and they've certainly done that and and, you know there's a reason why you know mark dagnald is the you know leader in the clubhouse right now for for coach of the year oh well done tonight as always wolves moved to 29 and 11 on the year now a two and a half game lead in the west back at home now for three straight Starting tomorrow, Grizzlies tip off. It's a late one, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and OKC right around the corner. That's Saturday night. Brutal. As always, huge shout out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Always love everyone's feedbacks, the comments, the news, the notes throughout each and every postcast. And you can rest assured we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Got to go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter at JR Borman13. And you got to check out Jack on the Minnesota basketball party, too, with our guys Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. That's each and every Wednesday afternoon as well. Brand new episode must have just dropped today. Any any teasers for us on what you guys talked about or any great Ron Johnson one-liners or movie oh quotes I can look forward to. What do you got? Ron, Ron was on one today, man. <laughs> I think today was one of those days where you just is it a day a, that like, ends in Y? Okay, then yeah, Ron where you just one. need uh, like Sam to be able to mute his mic. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, he, he's he's great. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, we did some superlatives uh, of the season at this point, which which I thought you know was a lot of fun, and uh, and and talked about that big Clippers one, which is obviously. Um, you know, still relevant since I think everyone was kind of expecting the, yeah. the Wolves to, to coast to a victory tonight. So to definitely Love go it. check that out. Love it. Can't wait to go check that out. Last plug, if you haven't already, Ben Beacon, spitting fire over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day as well. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.